that healthy developmental stage where you're obsessed with somebody and then culture is telling you anybody that you have this kind of obsession with, you are sexually attracted to. Oh my gosh, does that mean I'm a lesbian? Does that mean I'm bi? And all of a sudden they start taking on these I am statements. I am a lesbian. I am bisexual um, because they didn't know how to differentiate and they need to know that this is absolutely normal, this is absolutely healthy, and this is absolutely does not have to be the Arrow's kind of love. And it can be just as strong. And as we saw with Jonathan and David, it can sometimes even be stronger. Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it, we keep it reals. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Hey, welcome to another episode of Mama Bear Apologetics. I'm Hillary. And I'm Amy. And so today we are going to be talking about something that is very, very, very important for your kids to understand. And it's something that I think that uh, we have a culture have basically lost. Um, and that is the idea that our, there are different kinds of love. So Amy, have you noticed that like in our culture, everything has been turned into romantic love? Um, and it's like, even some of the definitions I'm thinking of in our sexuality book, when we go through the genderbred person where they're defining what romantic attraction is. And it's like someone who you want to um, have, you know, intimate conversations with. And I'm like, that's called friendship. Like, have we lost this idea that you can have these deep abiding friendships and that's not this kind of Eros love. Uh, I'm, I'm getting ahead of us. Um, we're actually going to be going through uh, what is called the four loves. There's technically six, um, but we're going to go through the four main ones. And then we're going to introduce you to another Greek word uh, that Amy found so that we can talk about that affection that people have for things, you know, like the iPad or their favorite sneakers or uh, whatever it is. But um, so Amy, won't you talk us through the four main loves real quick? Yeah. And the reason we wanted to bring this up is like Hillary was saying, you know, we've lost this ability to differentiate affection and love and that sort of thing within culture. And Hillary, you, you rightly pointed it out. It's like our culture has idolized uh, this, you know, relation, this Eros love, this sexual love so much that now we twist everything to go after it as if yes. that's the supreme. And there's and so we much reinterpret everything in light of that. And we're going to talk about that yeah. as well, about how past, you know, past relationships that we see not only in the Bible, but in movies and stuff like that are being reinterpreted as if this was a romantic love situation when it's not. Yeah, absolutely. So the four loves that we want to talk about is we have agape love, we have phileo, we've got storge, and then we've got eros. And so let's, let's end with arrows so that because that's the one that everybody wants to jump to. Let's talk about the other ones first. Yes, absolutely. So agape love, that is when you're thinking of agape love, you think of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, because mm -hmm. that is that self-sacrificial laying down of your life. You would do anything for that individual. That mm -hmm. is what agape love is. It's often uh, equated with charity, acts of charity and service mm -hmm. as well. 
Yeah, I would say that agape love even is one of those things that doesn't necessarily have to be some kind of feeling of love. This is like, um, uh, what, what, what's the thing to, to will the good of another? What's that the definition of, or is that love? Oh, to bring about the will of, or the good of another? To, uh, to will about the good of another. This idea of, so agape yeah. love is this, like if you were to remember one word, it's unconditional. Yeah. And unconditional means that, uh, I mean, if, if we were to say, um, I have unconditional love, I, I don't have to feel that all the time. Because sometimes, uh, like my, my parents, my parents have an amazing marriage. And I remember asking my mom over and over and again, growing up, what is the secret? What is y'all's secret? She always said the same thing. You act loving when you don't feel loving. Mm. And I think that one of the interesting things about all four of these loves is that I think all four of them are represented within the marriage context and within the family context yeah. um, when, when done correctly. So yeah, just this idea of unconditional that you're trying to bring about the good of another, uh, whether or not you feel it or not, that that is going to be that agape love. The only one who is able to do that perfectly is God. And, and, and that's uh, what gives us the power to even do these acts. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we're encouraging our children to be loving, to be patient, to be self-sacrificial, I mean, those are hard things to do. And it's only through the power of Christ that you're able to do those things. But mm -hmm. when you can see them, when you can act them, oh my gosh, it's like you get chills. I get chills just thinking of those, those, those quick acts to where you actually see the Holy Spirit working in their life. And that's what we're striving for. And one of the things that I, I think you, you see this really displayed well was in the the scene in Inside Out when Bing Bong sacrifices himself mm. so that Joy could be able yeah. to to make it. I mean, we live in a yes. world now to where it's very self focused. It's I'm going to do me and forget you. I don't I know how to love myself well enough. I need to get better at that because until I love me, I can't love you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then I'm going to love you so much as you know, it's not putting too much of a burden on me. But yeah. yet in that movie, and everybody was crying, and it's yeah. like, guys, this is gospel you're crying about here, and that's that that vision of agape love. So if you're ever wanting a little bit of help on how to uh, help your kids be acquainted with agape love, obviously go to scripture first. We can yes. see that demonstrated within the apostles, with their ministry, uh, within the book of Acts, and uh, even Stephen's death, but most importantly with Christ laying down his life. But then for the smaller ones too, what also helps is pointing to movies. And that is just one really good one there. That scene, uh, that is yeah. a definition or that is a display of agape love. Yep. So let's let's move to the next one, which is is it, do we want which one do we want to do next, Storge or Phileo? I uh, think like Storge would be actually. Yeah. Uh, okay. Storge is great, and that's I love that that you emphasize how to pronounce it. I'm a person that I always mispronounce the words because I always read them. I was calling it storage, and I'm like, well, that doesn't sound very. That doesn't that sound very, loves, you know, sweet. Who doesn't love you know, good storage, man. <laughs> so yes, uh, Storge love is what I've always heard. So Storge love is going to be that uh, familial love. So I just want to point out that there's a certain kind of love that you have for your family that yeah. you might not have with other people, and this it brings in a, an aspect of agape in the sense that. There are things that you will put up with your family and keep coming back to them for relationship that if this were some random person, you'd be like, and we're done. And we're <laughs> like, off. we are not compatible. And so, you know, I wish you well and stuff like that. But for some reason with family, 
Um, it's this kind of love that we can have despite really, really uh, incompatibilities and knowing all the dirty laundry. Um, but it's still this affection. It's like you, you think of like those kids that um, are are fighting and this one kid's calling the other one all these names. And yeah. it's not until some other kid calls their brother or sister a name that then that's fighting words. Like, I'm allowed to say that to them. You're not allowed to say that. That's to them. exactly the example I was thinking of. I was like, you see this with <laughs> siblings all the time. Like they will be going at each other, but the second somebody else starts picking on the little brother, oh man, all of a sudden that storge goes flying out the door, swinging hands, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And especially like parent to child, there is a kind of a, a type of um, just love that you have where you are putting up with things it's like John and I always joke about that. It's a, it's a good thing that babies and kids are so cute. And especially even yes. baby animals that like the little young ones are cute for a reason, because if mm -hmm. they weren't so cute, we might kill them. Um. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And just even just the exhaustion of it too. I mean, we had a little one and she had colic and there was not a lot of sleep to where there were some nights where it was that store gay love just flowing. because with the screaming and the screaming for hours upon hours, oh. Ooh, man, I'm grateful for how God designed it. And You're it's like, come on, oxytocin, do you do your duty. <laughs> and it is, it's, it's amazing how, how it does. It really nurtures the family. And, you know, if you've read our, our book on sexuality, you see that this is a, a biological wiring that God put in there, yeah. that the love between a husband and wife naturally nurtures. Now I say naturally, it, that doesn't mean every single case, there's still brokenness within this culture, but God's design does nurture this story of love for the sustainment of the family, which is absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm trying to decide if we should get into this now. So we're going to be talking about once we get to Eros, we're going to be talking about how society has reinterpreted um, past media based on our concept of Eros. And I have a suspicion that we're going to start seeing the same thing happen with movies from the past in Storge. So what, what I'm what I'm expecting is the, the way people are reinterpreting it. And actually, we'll get into this more in a little bit. But I think that and there's a lot of movies where brothers and sisters or sisters and sisters, it's like you think of sisters like a lot of times like cut in bed together mm -hmm. um or oh, you see you know, that in uh, pride and prejudice the one with kira oh, knightley yeah. you know they, they share a bed together and they're they're giggling under the blankets and everything and but like yeah laying in bed together you know foreheads together talking really quietly mm -hmm. uh, oh uh hunger games you see this with katniss and her sister yeah. um that i think in the future we're going to start reinterpreting these scenes and we're going to talk about that once we start once we get past uh phileo and and eros and how we've already seen this happen but so phileo is one of the ones that I think we need to emphasize the most because this is the one that society has forgotten, absolutely forgotten existed. Um, and it as should I be said, the most obvious. I mean. Right? It should be. And so I think there's this idea that any kind of really, really strong love is sexual in nature. So first off, let's talk about what phileo is. So think of the word Philadelphia. That yeah. is the city of brotherly love. So this is that affection that you have for friends where yes. you just, I mean, you just absolutely love them and you just you crave being around them. And um, I've, I've talked to different, uh, some developmental psychologists uh, who, who talk about there's even a stage in, in specifically within girls where they will have a period, and this is part of learning how to have healthy relationships, where they will have like this best friend that they are obsessed with. Like, I mean, I, I remember at one point, you know, a punishment that I had when I was real little, I must have been like six or seven or something like that. My mom punished me by saying I had to go a day without seeing this friend down the street. And I cried and I cried. And I think she felt so bad that she 
made sure that I was with her all day the next day. So it's like I, I wasn't missing out on relationship. I was was with her and she and I were actually forming that bond. But I mean, she stuck by her punishment. But it's just this absolute obsession that you'll sometimes see that um, uh, pubescent or preteen and teenage girls have with this one particular girl. Um, and that is an absolutely healthy thing, um, this friendship love. Amy, what, what were some of the movies that we were talking about that we see this in? We well, see this in movies as well as books, but the one that really stuck out to us was Anne of Green Gables. I mean, Anne Shirley's mm -hmm. relationship with Diana is uh, filet to the max. I mean, it, to the max. It, it's almost a blend, uh, you know, and it's funny because, you know, she always wanted this bosom friend. And I remember mm -hmm. reading as a girl, like, oh, my gosh, she held hands with her best friend. And I wanted that as as a girl, even into my teen years. I'm like, I didn't want anything romantic or sexual from it. It was just that that intimacy, you know, to yeah. be, to have somebody that, you know, so deeply that you could just share everything and you could hold it. And it's not a thing. It's just, no, you're my you're my bosom friend. And it's almost a blending of, uh, you know, filet and maybe even a bit of storge and agape all kind of mushed in yeah. together that you have for this one individual. And that's where that you were mentioning is unfortunately because our culture only has that one word for love and only one for friendship that, oh, we've got this, this friendship that's a little bit of, you know, that storge and that agape to where now people are trying to push that into romantic relationships. And we saw mm -hmm. that most recently with, I think it's, it's not Rogue One, um, Rise of the Jedi. I think it was with Finn and Poe Dameron to where these were just two best guy friends and they swapped jackets at one point and everybody flew off on social media and said, no, they need to be in a relationship together simply because they had this intimate friendship. And there was an yeah. article that I had read that was actually bemoaning this. They said, why can't guys just have friendships? This is why guys don't have friends now. Statistically, yes. less likely to have intimate friendships because they'll be accused of being gay when no, yes. it, they're just guy friends. So it's, yeah. sorry, I feel like I'm getting shrilly because I'm getting up on my soapbox, but the, you know, phileo, it's that's what you box. see. I'm, it, I'm there. I'm cheering you on. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is where we also see. So like real quickly, let's go into, because I think this is going to really explain everything. Eros love. Eros yeah. love is that actual um, sexual attraction kind of love. It's, it's the kind of love that you have between spouses, you know, between boyfriend and girlfriend. It's, I mean, let's be honest, Eros love is the reason that we have society and that we have propagated the species. Cause if we had all the other loves, but we didn't have Eros love, you know, we wouldn't last very long as a, as a humanity. So Eros love is absolutely important. Just, uh, this sexual attraction, the sexual love. Um, but what we're seeing is everything being reinterpreted in light of Eros. Yeah, because Eros is seen as something better, but we have to be careful too, because Eros has to be rightly channeled for it to yes. be good. Because one of the other definitions for Eros is consuming. And so mm -hmm. one of one example that Hillary and I were chatting of right before recording is while this wasn't a sexual relationship, you can see the consuming and eventual corruption of it. And this is Gollum within the Lord of the Rings series, his obsession with the ring to where when yeah. we see Eros love in this consuming, this lustful sense, like I just want to use and consume somebody. Yeah. I, both parties are degraded in the process and it leads to the corruption spiritually, physically, mentally of the individual. And so while Eros love, you know, we use this example all the time of, of the fire, while Eros love kindles a relationship and is rightly nurtured within that agape relationship outside mm -hmm. of it, it can lead to serious brokenness. 
Yeah. And I would say if it's only that Eros and, yeah. and Eros only, that that's where you see a lot of these problems because that is the consuming. You don't have that phileo that I, I have this feeling for you because we are actually friends. I don't have yeah. this feeling for you because I've committed to you agape wise, you know, in a, in a, a covenant relationship of marriage. Um, and, you know, we are not family. You know, it's like once you become married, you have that storge family love, or at least that's one of the things that gets nurtured. You should have that phileo love. Marry someone who is your best friend. And we need to have that um, that Eros love um, because that's what's going to differentiate that relationship between everything else. But um, what we're seeing right now is people are going back and reinterpreting all sorts of stuff. So the, the very classic, de uh, the classic one that I see being reinterpreted all the time is David and Jonathan. Yep. Um, especially when they talk Ruth about and Naomi. How Did you know that one? That's also really? one. Yes. Ruth and Naomi has been also under attack for that exact same uh, confusion. Uh, yeah. But so like, I mean, there is a really strong statement that um, in, uh, golly, where it, I can't remember where it is, but um where it says that their love for each other was was even greater that it's like my love for you is greater than the love of a woman and that was and i think he differentiated that because it's like the love of a woman is the eros love that he would have and he's saying like this phileo yeah. that we have is even stronger than that and i think we see this when you have men who are in the military who have fought alongside each other band of the, brothers yeah, there is this bond, this kinship that is like almost stronger than anything um, that you can possibly imagine. And I mean, that that is like the ultimate phileo and the ultimate agape and the ultimate storge. I mean, they they put it all in there. But again, people are trying to reinterpret this in light of Eros. So we got David and um, David and Jonathan, you and I were talking about Anna Green Gables, this this relationship that, it, you know, Watching it through the lens now, I'm like, ooh, that that's that's pretty passionate language that they're using. But they were capable of understanding this level of kind of obsession and love and closeness and intimacy that had nothing to do with sexuality. Yeah, no, and part of it too, I think, also is uh, back then people were better educated at younger ages, and man, they just love speaking in poetry. My goodness. I mean, when you read yeah. these older books, even the Betsy Tacy books, that's another really good resource if you've got younger girls and her books go all mm -hmm. the way up into adulthood. The Betsy Tacy books are absolutely beautiful because you see this wonderful demonstration of phileo love that has storge all up in there. It's mm -hmm. wonderful. But yeah, it's being corrupted. We're losing this beauty simply due to the loss of the range within language, which is why going back to the original Greek word, with your kids is actually mm -hmm. a, a really good idea and really easy to implement with your kids so that yeah. way they can help differentiate right relationships so uh, one thing um that we offered to that we were looking into is okay well we've got all these we've got agape we've got phileo we've got arrows what and storge what do you now refer to things like because we say things like oh my gosh i just love that movie or i love ice cream and we're trying to use a passionate <laughs> word but um aresi and you got to say it with the accent because it makes you sound aresi. super greek and cool aresi and if you could do the hand you know that that helps um that, that's the, there we go <laughs> you know that means to 
like. So that's always referred to to objects. So you arese ice cream. You arese the Cowboys game. You do not <laughs> phileo the Cowboys game or agape yes. the Cowboys game. You no matter counseling. how close you think you are to them, they do not know who you are. They don't know <laughs> who you no are. There is no relationship. Absolutely. And so, and I think that even is helpful too. It just popped into my head. That's also helpful too in helping encourage our kids to have healthy boundaries with things mm-hmm. that they enjoy. So when we think of pop stars and music artists, yeah. you know, there can be a, a very easy tipping point into this unhealthy obsession with mm-hmm. these American idols, so to speak. And so when we can start incorporating this language, we can help differentiate, wait a second, no, this isn't a friendship. This is something that you enjoy, you, you enjoy listening mm-hmm. to, but we don't want to allow it to now become a relationship because you can't have a relationship with, uh, with you know, this random pop star that you occasionally see on the TV. Yep. And so one of the things that we recommend as you are going, and first off, just making your kids aware of this, and uh, maybe we'll uh, make a little printout when we post this for you to put up around your house where we've got a new graphic designer. So we're making all sorts of little uh, handouts that that people would have and put up. Yeah, little flashcards. And just asking as you're watching TV, put it on pause. What kind of love is that? So they get, they are practiced in knowing, even if, even if they get it wrong of to which kind, they're practiced in knowing what are the different kinds of love and just the category, there are different kinds of love. Um, so that whenever someone starts talking about and trying to equate all these different types of love, they're going to say, hold on, what kind of love are you talking about? And of course they can sound super smart whipping out their Greek. to their friends in fifth grade. Are you talking about Eros? Are you talking about Storge? Um, But this is something, again, we have that afterward in the Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality, things to repeat to your kids until they want to gag. This is one of those things we need to repeat to our kids until they want to gag, that not all love is that kind of love. Uh, because one of the things that we we have keep hearing is stories of moms that are saying, my, my daughter's saying she's in love with her best friend. And it's because that healthy developmental stage where you're obsessed with somebody and then culture is telling you anybody that you have this kind of obsession with you are sexually attracted to oh my gosh does that mean i'm a lesbian does that mean i'm bi and all of a sudden they start taking on these i am statements i am a lesbian i am bisexual um because they didn't know how to differentiate and they need to know that this is absolutely normal, this is absolutely healthy, and this is absolutely does not have to be the Eros kind of love. And it can be just as strong. And as we saw with Jonathan and David, it can sometimes even be stronger. So it's not even the amount of love that determines whether or not it is Eros or the intensity that you feel that determines whether or not it's Eros. It is a just different category. And I, and I think this is so important because these are the kind of questions that young girls are going to be asking to themselves. They're not going to come out and ask their mom, how do I know if I'm in love with my best friend? Um, it's, it's not going to occur to them. It's just something that they will ruminate on and they may Google. And so if we don't preempt this to begin with, they are going to start going to all sorts of different places for information and all the places on the internet for information, they're going to affirm, yes, that means you're lesbian. Yes, that means you're bi. And yes, that means you're in love with your best friend. And it's time to come out to your parents. And if they don't accept you for who you are, then go find your LGBT family and reject them. And this is like, we are seeing this happen over and over again. So those are our four different types of love. So we're going to go through them one more time. We have the uh, agape love, which is that divine love. That's that unconditional love, that self-sacrificial love. 
Uh, we've got storge, which is the familial love that you see between people who are related, especially parents and children and children and parents. Uh, we have the phileo love, which is that strong friendship love and affection. And then we have the eros love, which is the sexual attraction aspect that a lot of times is added to the other kinds of love. And so Amy and I wanted to talk about just a couple of resources that you can use with your kids for illustrating some of these different types of love. And one of the things we want to point out is a lot of times, and this this will be easier with your girls than your boys, um, a lot of times the older literature, the Jane Eyre's, the Wuthering Heights, the uh, Pride and Prejudice, the uh, what was, what was the, the book series that you talked about? Oh, um, Pride and Prejudice. And then we've got um, the Brontes as oh, well. Anne of Green oh, Gables. Anne of Green Gables. Yes. And mm -hmm. Betsy Tate, all of those have great aspects of the various types of loves. And so these are the ones that people are reinterpreting now, the, the friendship love in a lot of these, is they're reinterpreting them as Eros love. And so if we read through those with our kids, uh, we'll be able to really understand the difference and how that that's not how people thought before because these kinds of loves aren't the same thing. So first off, the, the one that we talked about for um, for the agape love. So what was one of, you, you mentioned it in the podcast. What was the one that you mentioned in the podcast? Oh, for uh, for agape. Well, one thing that we were talking about just before was uh, if you're looking for a book to kind of read with your kids, or maybe your kids have already read it, this would be your older teens. Hunger Games. We see agape play out between yes. Katniss's relationship with Primrose as well as Peeta's relationship with Katniss. So those are great mm -hmm. opportunities there to kind of point out some agape, self-sacrificial love. Yeah. And so we we also look at, um, so if you have older kids, I think one of the greatest examples of what it looks like for self-sacrificial love, and it has like this horror sounding name, it's called Hacksaw Ridge. And it's just, yes. it's called that because this is an actual story um, of a guy who is a conscientious objector to the war because of his religion. And the way that he sacrificed himself without ever using a gun is just phenomenal. Um, and so if you have some like older teens, I recommend that one. Yes. And Amy was talking about Pixar's Inside Out, the bing bong, when he yes. sacrifices himself for joy. Um, just understanding that, that always wanting the good, you're always focusing on the good of that person. So those are some good examples for agape. Um, now, phileo love, that friendship love, um, we were talking about how there, there's two particular uh, series that they're both books and they're, you know, movies and, and, and miniseries, and that's Jane Eyre and Anna Green Gables. But we have to mention this would be the Megan Fellows, Anna Green Gables, Canadian version from the, what was it, the 90s? I think the whatever, 80s, the not, 80s or 90s. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. Not Anne with an E. Oh. Not Anne with an E. Anne with an E is an Anne with an LGBT. <laughs> yes. We decided it was. Um, yeah, so that that's definitely not the one you want. But the kind of relationship and the kind of, like we were talking about, that obsession mm -hmm. that girls sometimes have with another girl because this is how they're learning how to have healthy relationship, healthy friendship relationships. Um, but it goes through this period of obsession and people want to reinterpret that as an Eros type of love. And so if we show our kids, no, this never was. I mean, it's like Anna Green Gables. It, it, you know, it was always, they they always knew they were getting married. It's not like they were thinking, well, maybe we should stay together. And, right. You know, it, it, was, it was assumed we're going to have another kind of love that's different than the one that you and I have. 
Um, so Anna Green Gables, and I would say Jane Eyre is a good one for um, when she is in the boarding house, she has mm -hmm. a friend there and there's so many amazing Christian themes yeah. and in, in Jane Eyre, but this, this intense relationship in the way that she just clings to her and it shows that physical affection that is absolutely appropriate within mm -hmm. filet of love, within friendship love, because a lot of times people are scared to have that that physical, um, that kind of physical intimacy that's not a sexual intimacy. Um, I remember like years back, I, I was listening to John give a, a lecture somewhere and I had my friend Angelique come and I was just like so tight in my shoulders. And so she kind of, we were sitting on a bench and so she kind of was like straddled behind me and I was straddling the bench and she was just like rubbing my shoulders all over. And I remember thinking, you know what, there's probably people who are misconstruing this and I just don't care because I love the fact that I don't have to ask questions with my girlfriends and wondering, is this something more? I don't know. It was, a, it's just this beautiful thing of where you can have that physical intimacy, that, that physical touch, that's a non-sexual touch. And you see that both in Anna Green Gables and you see it in Jane Eyre when they're snuggling in bed together and when they're holding hands and giving each other kisses on the cheek, all those different things, exposing your, your kids to these types of love that are not romantic love. So that way they have something to reference later when they are in a friendship and they're starting to wonder, everybody's saying that I'm a lesbian, everybody's saying that I'm bi. No, we have something that we can reference. Um, and then, uh, so Storge love, uh, we go back to one of the old ones, I think Pride and Prejudice. And again, I'm sorry for your boys, this isn't exactly the kind that, <laughs> Amy and I know the girl stuff better. Um, Pride and Prejudice is really good with showing Storge. It's really actually good with a lot of the different ones. But mm -hmm. the reason why is that Storge love we were talking about, how it's like you have that love for that family member, even though you can't stand them sometimes. And it kind of <laughs> shows like uh, Elizabeth Bennett's love for her mother, even though her mother's a hot mess. Yeah. Um, and the, the the way that they were so broken up when, when Lydia uh, kind of eloped with Wickham and, and how no matter how much she didn't like Lydia, that she had that intense, intense storge. Yeah. Um, but then you also see the relationship between um, Elizabeth and Jane, where, um, like I was kind of saying during the other thing, I think people are going to start reinterpreting things that we see in movies now once uh, all the taboos are getting knocked down. That's what I'm just saying. All the taboos are getting knocked down. And I'm telling you, um, incest is probably going to be in the future. And people are going to start reinterpreting some of these scenes as, oh, that was romantic love. Uh, kind of like in, in Hunger Games, Katniss and, and uh, Primrose in bed mm -hmm. together, kind of snuggling with their heads together and she's stroking her hair. Or even her with Rue too. Yeah, yeah, with Rue. It's like people are going to start reinterpreting this. And so we need to expose our kids to these different types of love before the world tells them that they're all, they're all the same. And then we were having a hard time with Eros because there's just so many different examples. Um, so the ones that we came up with, for, for me, I said Princess Bride, because you actually see not only Eros, but you see that phileo and you see that agape, the, you know, the, the, as you wish, you know, yes. he's always wanting to will her good, but it's mm -hmm. because of that love. And I also pointed out how um, in, in a lot of these epic movies, kind of like Braveheart or Robin Hood, Prince of Themes, uh, Prince of Thieves, if you want to go after the hero, you know who you go after? You go after his love. Yeah. That's where it starts. And just the that um, fierceness mm -hmm. of that love uh, when it's properly channeled is so beautiful. 
Um, Ooh, I so, actually just had one pop into my head for story yay. for boys because I'm sitting here. I'm like, I've got all these boys. How do we not have shows that depict this? I know. This? I was like, you're a boy mom. How I know. I know. And I'm failing. Well, that's because it's all, you know, fart jokes for most of boy media, which moms, <laughs> you know. Um, but honestly, no, the one that I absolutely loved was the Mandalorian series because here Ooh. showed a strong male influence who actually took, you know, baby Yoda under his wing, Grogu under his wing and protected him in a, and he's a father figure and he makes fatherhood look cool and i i love that from a mom's perspective of okay here's a man that shows how to be a dad and kick tail all the way so all right there we go storge um mandalorian series i really enjoyed that and so did my voice i love it yep yep baby yoda is just adorable So, and so, yeah, for Eros, we had to be a little cautious because we don't want to recommend stuff. It's like, here's, here's Eros in a bad sense. Just flip on any reality TV commercial and trust me, you'll get more than an eyeful. That's it in the bad sense. But that's um, the only one you don't have to research. You don't got to research that one. And one thing, you know, if you're watching this, uh, hit the comments. If you know of a great example of a movie, a TV show or literature that fits any one of these that are appropriate for families uh, or it's appropriate maybe for older ones um, mm-hmm. put that in the comment section because that's yes. that's deeply helpful I mean Storge uh, uh, another really great resource that everybody loves from all ages is Bluey wonderful family dynamic there great one for all appropriate but yeah hit that in the comment section because that is mm-hmm. deeply helpful to other moms and dads who are watching yep so uh, that's what we got for today. We uh, This is so important to address these with your kids. So they have the categories that when they feel this all-consuming, um, you know, attraction towards someone who it's just a friendship that they don't get confused as to what type of love because we have already trained them to know that there are different types. And even as we come up to Valentine's Day, this is great yeah. to tell kids that there is something other than lust. So Valentine's Day is very much all about lingerie and roses and all of this superficial stuff. No, when it comes to holidays like that, instead point to the deeper truth within scripture that there is a variety of loves for different relationships and that when they're rightly channeled, they bring glory to God and flourishing to the family. Absolutely. Amen. Ames, do you want to pray us out? Yes, ma'am. Father God, we are so grateful to be able to join and just relish in your design. It is truly beautiful. And we thank you for the creation of love. We thank you for the creation of families, for that self-sacrificial love that you modeled within the cross, for the the families that we get, not only within our own biological families, but with our friends as well, and how you have made us and designed us for community. I pray for these moms and dads, grandmas and grandpapas, that you will help them be able to articulate these different kinds of loves to their children so that their children can rightly discern appropriate action, and that you will help our children understand too that you can have affection for families in all different ways and we are just we're we're grateful for your creation lord we pray for these parents that you will give them boldness in this time of upheaval in your holy name amen this has been a mama bear apologetics recording to learn more about mama bear apologetics please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, mama bears. We are all in this together.